Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. As we do every week, Lila Nishmas, Aliza Shalamis. Mayor Shama, have an aliyah. Should be a good to better for her children and her family. Today is Chav Gimel Sivan. Today was Chav Gimel Sivan. And of course, the Shabbos, the Shabbos, Mavarachma Chedesh. Chedesh Tammuz, the month with so many days that we need to look forward to. Shabbos Varchem Chedesh Tammuz Tavshin Mem Gimel was Chav Gimel Sivan was the 23rd day of Sivan and that brought down a very interesting Heidah very interesting lesson for us all for the 23rd day of Sivan oh yeah. There was an addition to the lesson that we learned from the Pasha Shavua, which we're going to discuss in Yerushim Pasha Shlach. We have to also pay attention to the fact that it's called Gimel Sivan. What is called Gimel Sivan? There are many Svarim that bring down lessons and greatness of special days of the year. Zayim Yemei, a daily basis. What we need to do with Zayim Yemei. But in one of these svarim that are marked down the dates of the year, it's written that the date of Gimel Sivan, the twenty-third day of Sivan is mentioned in Megillus Esther. The Megillus that we read on Purim. It's in chapter 8, verse 9. They called together the scribes of the king at that time. The third month of Chedesh Sivan. On the 23rd day of that month. And the pastor continues and talks again about lessons of this special day. It's written all that Mordechai HaYehudi commanded to be written to be marked down Everything that Marachai asked was written down. Scribes and the people and the entire nation 
from the land of Hedu till Kush. What was this? This was the Tevas of Shabnei Yisrael. This was for the good, the well-being of the Jewish nation. And this was all the command, the suggestion of Marachai. Marachai Atzadik. The Pasuk then continues. Harotzim, the runners, Yotzim Mubuholim with the Chufim Bidvar Melech. They ran out scattered. They ran out totally in a confused fashion. They just ran. To complete the words of the king, Umarachai Yotzim of Melech, Bidvush Malchus, and Marachai came out. Before the king in, in kingly fashion, kingly garments, and the, the land of Shushan was happy. Not only the Jews in Shushan, Shushan, everyone at total. On top of that, as we know, the Jews had light, happiness, joy. We know the mitzvahs that are mentioned in this passage, which is not for now. <coughs> the Simcha, the Sosay of the Jews, the Mishnah and Yantav was a holiday. Many, many people came together because the fear of the Jews fell upon them. The Jews became what's called a mashmas. They became something to reckon with. According to the beginning of these psukim that we just mentioned, all this took place on the 23rd day of Sivan. The shlichas, the runners, everybody, all these things. Because it needed to be done quickly. So obviously, immediately it was, finished, it was finished writing, the ink was barely dry on the parchment, and the guys were off and running. And also, <coughs> whatever it said about the Jews, how Mordechai, how he went out in the royal garments, the Yishushan Salavasamecha, It wouldn't make sense, it wouldn't dictate properly that Marachai procrastinated and postponed this any which way, form or fashion. So obviously, he took to this immediately. <coughs> obviously, it's something he did immediately. So this, as we said before, all took place on the 23rd day of Sivan. Let us say you're going to push a button. 
<laughs> you're gonna want to push the plate. You want to push the, the system a little bit. You want to buck the system. You want to say, no, it's not possible. This all took so quickly, and that it went so fast until they wrote it, until they dried it, etc., etc. No, it took a dollar, even. It was all in the time, air, this time reckoning. Main thing is that it all started And we know, of course, that everything that happens in the Teda, everything mentioned in the Teda, is Nitzchi. It's perpetual. It's something that goes on forever. And therefore, mentioning this concept... Of Gimel Sivan, of the miraculous redemption, the miraculous freedom that occurred on Chav Gimel Sivan back in the time of the Megillah. We know, therefore, Chav Gimel Sivan to be a special day. And it can bring about each year a new thing. Although Megillah Sesta is referred to as an Igeres, a letter, and we know the difference between an Igeres and a Sefer, a letter and a book, that a Sefer generally is something that lasts forever and never gets, never becomes extinct, and a letter is something that's written, it's not written only for the moment, <coughs> it's not a perpetual thing though. But the Megillah itself was called on the name of Sefer. Says, if you're keeping track at home, score at home, in Megillah, Sechtas Megillah, Daf Yud Test, the bottom of Amit Aleph, it tells us, Megillah Nikras, Sefer and Nikras Igeres, it's called both a Sefer and an Igeres. So much so, that Megillah's Esther is one of the 24 Kisvekadish. Chavdalim was called Kishute Kala. Giving it equal status with all the other 24 books. What? And this, therefore, we understand also the Yana of the Megillus Esther being also Nitzchi, also perpetual. Our lesson from this is. Every single year in Chav Gimel Sivan, it's we call together the Sefer HaMelech, the scribes of the king, Malchai Shalaylam, the Melech, the king of the world, which his beginning and his end are all one. And he needs to write Kichol HaShetziva Mardachai, like all that Mardachai wrote. Mordechai, we are considered Am Mordechai, and therefore this refers to each and every Jew. Mordechai's popularity was the fact that he did not bow down. And this is a mission that each and every one of us needs to live through. A life lesson that we need to take to ourselves. By not bowing down, he became the Balabos. 
And therefore he was the commander. And that's why the Pasuk says, All that Mordechai commanded. And this of course is done by Mihirus. Ad Mehira Yorutz Devaroi. Speed, speedily. Harotzim Yotzim of Holm with the Hufen. And this comes down as low as possible in the Inyone, in the Darchia Teva, in ways of nature. Like it's told in the Megillah itself. In the Megillah itself, it's mentioned. Which is the physical nature, natural way of doing things. In the Medrash Chazal, we find the Metzias of Rechiva, of writing, Gamla Porcho, the flying eagle, is all miraculous. But this in itself is all mentioned ways of nature, natural way. And therefore they should be remembered and this should be done. As brought down in the writing of the Arizal when it comes to the concept of Nisgarim, the way it should be Nisgarim, remembered then it becomes Nasim. It's done the way it should be done. It's done like it was done originally. And the same is in our Indian when we mention this the way it should be. This happened all in Chavgimel 7. And then Nasim and all these Inyanim happen again today. Therefore, the Rebbe said, this is a special day, and we should take this opportunity to write our requests to Hashem, our beseechments, in any subject, in any topic, in any subject matter, asking for Hashem to give, to supply, whether it be sustenance, whether it be happiness, shidduchim, peace, tranquility, whatever it may be, to write this, and therefore, Hashem will definitely answer this. Now, yes, you're going to come with a complaint that you're hearing this recording after Chav Gimel Sivan. So we've mentioned before that the Rebbe said that it's not necessarily, some say, that it happened, actually, it all happened Chav Gimel Sivan, but the main thing is it started on Chav Gimel Sivan. But it could have gone and continued for a day, two or three thereafter. And therefore we still have that potency, the potential, for the day, two or three after, to be able to do what we need to do. And the Almighty should answer each and every one of our prayers. And Yimal Hashem Amen. Let us turn our focus a little bit to our parsha.
a strange parsha this is indeed. The most, the strangest of actions that the Yidin took, or reactions actually, to what took place in this week's parsha. One such problem caused the Eden to stay in the Midbar for 40 years. 40 plus years. It was not 40 plus years. No, I'm saying There was parts of this year, parts of this year. It wasn't 40 plus years. It was less than 40 years. That would be 40 years in <coughs> But one of the things that I brought down here while the Eden was sitting around now and the Miragum caused the havoc and the people now did not know where to turn or where to go and what will happen next. All of a sudden, the Torah tells us about keeping Shabbos. How great is the mitzvah of keeping Shabbos, how important it is to keep Shabbos. And therefore suddenly came along a fellow and he went and chopped wood on Shabbos. He chopped wood on Shabbos in public, made sure they warned him, made sure everybody knew about it, and suffered the consequence of being stoned. Chapter 15, verse 32. Pasuk Lamed Beis, it talks about the chet, the sin of the mekoshesh eitzim, the woodchopper. Vayiu b'nei Yisrael b'amidbar, the Jews were in the desert. Vayimtu ish mekoshesh eitzim b'yim Shabbos. They found a man chopping wood on Shabbos. Ish doesn't say who. And Rashi, who usually explains pshutish mikra. Understands that Benchamah Shemikra is baffled, just as Ish. And Benchamah Shemikra definitely wants to know who the Ish was. He doesn't say anything. But later in Pasha's Pinchas, we have another story. The daughters of Tzalafchad come forth, and they complain that they want a Yerusha, they have no brothers. They want the Yerusha their father was entitled to. Whatever part of land that Israel in Israel their father was supposed to get, their father was dead, and therefore they wanted it as inheritance from their father. And they say, Avinu meis b'amidbon, v'uleoyo, he was not with those people that came to fight the Abishta with the Kerach. He died in his own sin. And he did not have children. He did not have any sons. Lama, therefore, they ask, Why should my father, our father's name be obliterated from amongst his family? Because he has no son. To know Lano Achuza give us his inheritance. And ultimately, we're going to learn in Pashat Bilchas, we've discussed it many times already exactly what happened, what transpired.
and the relevance in the tale of why this is brought down the story. But on the concept that says Bechet Oimes, of his sin he died, Rashi brings down two opinions. The opinion of Rabbi Akiva and the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. We're going to discuss this Rashi. We're going to hear the two opinions. And we're going to hear how Rabbi Akiva not only gives his opinion as to what the Chet Oi was, but it's his nature to explain this way, and the same as Rabbi Shimon. Rashi brings the words of Rabbi Akiva, this is a vihen, he was the one that chopped the wood. And since the Vishahoyu Ba'is Lamer, Ba'is Lamer, because they came and said, Bechet Oimes, he died with his own sin that he did. Therefore, Nizkiku Lamer, Levechet Mislainim, it was not from the people of the Mislainim that came to complain about going into Hetzisrael. And of course, also Levedas Kerach, Shehatzu, the Kaddish Baruchu. Not in the in, in Kerach's crowd that came against God. He died his own sin, something he himself did. And not only that, he didn't make other people sin also. A person sometimes sins and they make others sin as well. There's a sinner and he makes others sin as well. Going to a function instead of going to shul. Everybody's going to shul, and the guy comes along and says, Hey guys, there's a good baseball game. Never mind shul. Never mind Shabbos. Never mind Yom Tif. It's a World Series. Or an Egyptian horse is running around. Let's go catch the Egyptian horse. He's got a lot of money. He has three crowns on his head. Must be worth a lot. I was running around on Shabbos. You know, listen. <laughs> Therefore, Rabbi Shimon says, Mikeshish Eitzim Haya. This man was the Mikeshish Eitzim. He was the one that cut the wood and was put to death. Rabbi Shimon Eimer Minamapilim Haya. He was from those that fell from heaven. We're going to discuss all these things. So Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold that this Salavchad was Mekesh Shaitan. Who was the Mekesh Shaitan? It's somebody else. But he was from the Mapidim. Those that came forth strongly and gave a, a reason why they did not go into that to sell. And then ultimately, when Mesha said, okay, now the Miraglim, the sin, and Abish said, you're not going in, he said, don't go up, they stood up, they stood forth and decided to go up anyway. Pasha tells us, and therefore the Ikonim came out against them and killed them. And I got a virus. All this coming up here on the side has to be a virus. The whole lengthy Rashi here, got to have some kind of hands and feet to it. The idea of Rashi, again, as we said, is Peshutah Shamikra. Simple explanation. And therefore, when it comes along, B'nai Slavchad, and they say their father died because of the sin that he himself did, he was not amongst the people 
that did whatever else they did, other groups of sinners, he did not sin in a way that Hechtis had Abimei, he met other sin with him. Why does Rashi have to come explain to us what was the sin of Tzlavchot? And not only he says it, he's got to bring two explanations. On the explanations of Rashi, the Ram, the Gurari, the Maskodavid, the he brings different ayahs, different proofs from the words of the Pasuk. We learn, for example, Exeda Shava, when two Psukim have the same common wording. So we learn out one from the other. So they both use the word Bamidbar, and therefore they want to use the comparison. Keeping score at home is Gemara Shabbos, Tzadik Vovam at Beis, for example. 96 side 2. Same thing also when it came to Tzlavchad. If you want to say he was from the Mapilim, and they went up to Reishahar, and they went against Debishter, who said, don't go to the mountain, don't go up anymore, because you're not going to survive. And therefore they died in the desert. Meis Bishvil Hamidbar. They died because of the desert. They didn't want to go there. But we already explained many times we can't always come up with Rashi's explanation this way. Rashi's, this is not Rashi's MO, as we say. The simple explanation. If Rashi intended to present this way, should have said clearly. Not rely on the Talmud to understand himself. Before we explain the actual Rashi, we want to go off to a little bit of a tangent in this actual story. Tara tells us that the reason behind Slavchad's madness of going and chopping wood on Shabbos to Michal Shabbos is because the Jews, when they were told they're not going into Yisrael, decided that's it. That means we don't have to do mitzvahs. Was haste. Let us examine a moment what went on in the heads of these miraglim. The miraglim themselves were righteous people beforehand. What were they thinking, talking bad about the Holy Land? The truth is, they were thinking. And they said, listen, ask any normal Jew, if you did not have to go to work for Parnassah, and you would be allowed to just sit and bask in Torah study, sit and learn Torah all day long, and your Parnassah would come by itself. The most of the average Jews would say, you know, I could relate to that. Especially in today's day and age, 
where you have things in every given language of Torah. You can study Torah in any language, English and Spanish and Russian, any language. No. The Yidden, when they were in the desert, when they received the Torah, they were basking in Torah. They had the mon, they had slob, they had water. They needed nothing. They had no disturbances from their learning Torah. They get a flag, they get a message. We're going into Etzitzel. In Etzitzel, you're going to have to plant and deal with your fields, give trumas, give maestres, give challah, all these mitzvahs that are going to have to go down. In order to do these mitzvahs, they're beautiful things, but they're taking away from my Torah study. They're, they're flowing my total holiness and spirituality of learning Torah. You're depriving me. So the Menachem said, let us better stay here in the desert than go into Etzisel. Going into Etzisel, we're going to have to work and do things and we won't have the 24 hours a day to sit in the In other words, they put on an even parallel, even keel, mitzvahs and going into Etzisel. If you're not in Etzisel, all you have to do is sit and learn Taylor. Yes, they found out now that for 40 years they're not going into Etzisel. Their first reaction is we don't have to do any mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are not being required of us. We only need to learn Taylor like the Viragun wanted us to do, like the Viragun wanted us to be in. The situation that we're in now, the bliss, blissful learning Taylor. Came Slavchad and said, Yidin, is that Meshuyivan? Are you all nuts? We need to do mitzvahs. There's a Shabbos, there's a Yom Tif. We need to do these mitzvahs. And I'll prove it to you. And he goes out and he's Mechal Shabbos Befahesim. He desecrates Shabbos. As soon as he desecrates Shabbos, he gets put to death. So they saw, therefore, that the mitzvahs were actually in effect. Alternate side is in effect. The mitzvahs are actually in effect. So his lesson to the Yidin was that Teda is a beautiful thing that we need to study all the time. But even outside of Etzel, we need to keep the mitzvahs. There's no such thing as being exonerated from mitzvahs. And that was his lesson that he taught them by putting his life on the line to show the Eden how important it was to actually do the mitzvahs. The main taina, the main argument of the daughters of Tzlavchad is that father's sin had nothing to do with that itself. He did not sin against the Holy Land. And therefore they say he was not amongst the Mislainanim. Do 
צלופחד? זה לא צלופחד. צלופחד. ZANG was screaming about going into that show. So therefore we see here this is a midah connected midah. This is one attribute pays another. Since they argued about going into the Holy Land, therefore the merit was taken away from them. As the Torah says later, the Almighty says to them, in chapter 14, verse 30, 27, Yudal Chavzayin, these lunas I heard like you spoke to me that you don't want to go into the Holy Land so I have heard you and so I will do to you except except for them nobody else is going into the Holy Land This was therefore the main idea of the B'nai Stavchat. They said that Father He was not amongst those people. He did not die in that sin. Talking against going into the land, God forbid. But because of a different sin. Therefore, he has no reason to lose his part in the land. So much so that even his children, his daughters, should receive it. Now we can understand what Rashi was getting at. By saying what was the sin of Slavchad, why it was so important to tell it to us. It's a simple question. In our passion it says, Vayelenu kol b'nei Yisrael. The entire nation came to complain to God. Kol They all took part in the sin of Mislenim. And therefore, the decree was on Kulam, on all of them. From 20 to 60 years of age. That they needed to die in the desert. And they lost their inheritance of the Holy Land. So therefore, it's not necessarily true that Slavcha died for something else. Bechet oimez. Because it said kol In order therefore to answer this question, Rashi brings down Rabbi Akiva who says, he, chopped, he was the one that chopped the wood. This story of Makeshish Eitzim was very close to the leaving of Egypt, even before Matan Rashi says in our parsha, 
this Torah was talking about the embarrassment of the Jews. They only kept one Shabbos. On the second, came this man and he desecrated the Shabbos. So therefore we understand simply that if Tzalafchad was the Mekreshish, to begin with he had no connection with the Mislein in him. He was nowhere around anymore. He died days before. It was a year before. No, that second Shabbos came a Jew and, and desecrated Shabbos. He was showing them how important Shabbos is to keep. According to one day. Okay, but after that it never kept Shabbos. No, they kept Shabbos. Was the, f- the first Shabbos everybody kept. The second Shabbos, there's one particular person, it was Michal Shabbos. Okay, but then after the, the whole... But the, that Shabbos already, the second Shabbos, there was already somebody being Michal Shabbos. After that one? No, that second Shabbos. After that, whatever they did after that is not relevant to us. Right now we're showing that the Yidin were able to only keep one whole Shabbos to begin with. And the second Shabbos, already they were in trouble. So start from the beginning, what's the problem? Start again, we don't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't have old control delete. <laughs> So because of him, we have to suffer another. He suffered in his own way. That's something else. So if he was the Makeshish, he had no connection. Another, in addition to explanation of Rabbi Akiva Dafka, why did Rabbi Akiva say this? We find Rabbi Akiva was Ragul Zakas as soul. Rabbi Akiva always found merits for the Jewish nation. If you're checking, there's a Rashi Shevkeha keeping score at home in Sanhedrin Kuf Yudamid Beis 110 side 2 and therefore he explains that Slavchad was Mekesh Shetzu teaching his schus giving him a merit minimizing his actual sin first of all all the sins that were known in the desert, Mikeshish, the one sin that one particular person did. Only one guy did this. He involved nobody in, the sin, in his sin. And therefore it's his Bechet Oymes, it's his own sin in his own. Secondly, according to Rashi, the sin of the Mikeshish was even before Matan for Matan there was no Chumar on the mitzvahs. Like after Matan <coughs> Shabbos they received already when they crossed the Yamsuf. But it still wasn't the same potency as it was after Matan So we can add perhaps the Limit Schutz on the Mekeshish, according to the whole famous Medrash, and the Mekeshish was the Shem Shemayim. He had it only in mind for the Shem Shemayim as he spoke before. But this doesn't fit to the Pshut Shemikra. Because he's writing the Pshut Shemikra that is Gnusim Yisrael, the Dibra Kosov. Pasik's talking about the embarrassment of the Jews. That it was an embarrassment that they could not do this, keep Shabbos for two weeks in a row. Therefore, it would not make sense to dictate, dictate would not have it, that actually this is the Shem Shemayim.
It was done with Shema. Rib Shimon, on the other hand, his shita is Dorish time of the crow. He's got to know what the Pusik's all about. Keep his score at home and get Memtesim at base. Again, the Rashi in Sanhedrin 112 on Numer Aleph. In our case here, it fits better to say it's Lofgadus from the Mapilin. Because therefore it becomes sweeter to taste of the whole story here. The tightness of the Slavkad. The Shita was the Slavkadus, Makesh Eitzin, and had no connection with the sin of the Muslim. Is minimizes in his sin. But Saf Saf, he died from his sin. In that case, it was like a suicide. Like a suicide, the average mind doesn't dictate that the children should have received, the daughter should receive his part of the land. He forfeited it. But when you say he was from the Mapilim, not possible to say that he lost his chalik. The mapilim were those that even before the home was slain in us and everybody else, everything else, didn't want to go into that to sell. But then they did shiva. And they repented on the tlunes. And they wanted very much to go into that show. So much so they even had to be warned by Moshe, don't you dare try to go in. And still and all they went. Because they felt they needed to get into that cell. And they were killed. This was therefore considered a sin because they went against Moshe's words. It was a tremendous sin. Even greater than the Keshish But the concept of going into that cell this showed the tremendous tshuva that they had. They were Mesa Nefesh. They gave their lives for it. And therefore the Pnei Slavchot said, It's not possible because they went and sacrificed their lives to go into Etzisol that you're going to tell them now you're not going to have any chelik either in Etzisol. It's ridiculous. He so wanted. So therefore let us say Yeratzna should be that should we be Zecha, take you from Yad to be as Mashiach Zekeno, and he will be Mikabitz Kolidche Yisrael. He will gather everyone from all parts of the world, all Jews, Vayaviyem El Heretz Hakedesh, Yeshu Shom Vireshua, and settle them there, they'll inherit, Vizera Avadav Yenchalua, Vayavishmei Yishkinuva, and his name will actually rest there. The idea of Shlach Lecha Anoshim. Abishu says, Mesha, you want to? You send. I'm not condoning it, not to fight you. It's your your idea. Later, the come complaints what happened here with these people. I never said that they should. It's all yours. 
Meshe the Chede prepped these people. Chede, he was a Rebbe, he was a leader, he was a king, he was a shepherd. He didn't tell them, go and make up your own and, and see. He sent them with the intent that the Yidin should say, ah, they're going to hear afterwards how beautiful it is, they're going to have a bigger Cheshek to go in. Did the imagine that he needs to send the spies for the war because the Abish is fighting the war. That was not the intention of how the whole spies. They'd come back and say how beautiful the land is. It'll give the Yidin more Cheshek to go in. So what was the reaction so different? There's a Rav in B'nai Brak, his name is Yaakov Landau. Yaakov Landau died at a very, very old age. But he was a very, very famous Rav. He was a Rav still by the Rebbe Rashab. We have the Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law, the Rayats, the Rayatz's father was the Rashab. And he died in the time of the Rebbe. So he saw the Rebbe, the Rashab, the Rebbe, and the Mifridic Rebbe. But he was a very devoted person to the Rebbe Rashab. He was a tremendous chassid. And he also, because he was such a rov and a Talmud Chochem, he knew all different refuas. You know, they have the grandmother's remedies for things. Use this, use that, use some olive oil with some, with some garlic, put it on a cotton ball, and you know, they these things. So they, they work better than anything anyone else does. And he was very big with this. Unfortunately, there was an outbreak of typhoid. And a typhoid outbreak it's lethal typhus and it's lethal and people contracted it and they were dying like flies unless Yaakovlando was able to get to them fast enough and treat them and thereby he produced many survivors unfortunately because he was exposed to this illness so much and so often he himself contracted typhus. And he literally put him into a coma, st- a coma state, a comatose state. And he was unconscious for a very, very long time. During that time, unfortunately, the Rebbe Rashad passed away. When Yaakov came through, started coming to himself, people were not aware, there were those people that were not aware how connected how strongly connected and devoted Rabbi Yaakov was to the Rebbe. And some genius went and told him that the Rebbe was nostalgic. The Rebbe passed away. Yaakov was beyond himself. How could he live without the Rebbe? Yaakov traveled to the stove, where the Rebbe is buried in his weak state and he wrote a pan to the Rebbe that he can't live without the Rebbe and therefore the Rebbe should arrange that he should join the Rebbe 
Actually, I don't think he traveled to the stuff. He sent this pond with somebody to the hill. A few days later, Rabbi Yaakov Lando had a visitor. The Rebbe Rayatz. Fidik Rebbe. And the Fidik Rebbe said, I have a message to you from my father. The Rebbe Rashad. Stop asking these foolish questions. Stop asking to be taken away from the world. I don't know if the Rebbe, actually I don't know if the Rayatz mentioned what the foolish question was. <coughs> he just gave the message that his father said, stop asking foolish questions. Mind you, this is after, as we said before, that Rebbe Shabbat passed away. But he got the message to his son to give to Rebbe Yaakov Landa. It's an interesting fellow. Rebbe Yaakov Landa once had a Maisa, another Chassid, who was selling vodka. He was producing, he was manufacturing vodka. One day the guy is locking up the warehouse and he hears a bit noise inside. He goes downstairs and he sees two employees siphoning off vodka from the back of the barrel. Then they played with the gauge so nobody should notice that any vodka is missing. In fact, as soon as he caught them, he obviously fired them on the spot. And threw them out like dogs. What he didn't reckon was that these guys were shrewder and smarter than him. They were not just stupid ganav. They were not just stupid thieves. Before he could go the next morning to the police, they already went. <laughs> and they told the police that this guy is doing this. He's cheating the government out of taxes. He's siphoning off vodka from the barrel and selling it under the table without taxes. And he's fixing the gauge so nobody should know anything's missing. And immediately the morning the inspector showed up and lo and behold they checked because they knew exactly which barrels to check. And they found it was indeed true. There was vodka missing and the gauge was, was tampered with. So our poor Chassid got arrested. A poor Chassid got arrested in the Renef Tzadis. He had these two witnesses. They're fighting him tooth and nail. And the government is not exactly, you know, sympathetic to Jews. How do you get out of this? There was no other way to Rabbi Yaakov Landa immediately traveled to the Rabbi Rashab's cave to Rastov. And he's mispal for this chassid. He davened for the chassid. The day of the court case came. And there was not much hope. And the prosecuting attorney presented the paperwork and the witnesses that he had. And the chassid himself tried to say something, he had nothing really to say to dissuade the court or to disprove the witnesses that they had. He was in Saras. Kid said, the judge is leafing through the papers and everybody's waiting for the judge to give his verdict. 
all of a sudden, George gets very angry. He closes the folder. He picks it up in both hands and turns around. Behind him was a garbage can. And he said, this is garbage! And he throws it into the garbage. And he turns to the court and he tells the police, you see these two guys, the witnesses? Arrest them! You see this guy? Get him out of here! He's a free man. Out of the clear blue, nobody knew what, when, and where hit them. But nobody waited around too long to ask any questions either. Pasha, <coughs> open miracle. They went to Daven by the Rebbe Marashab, and the Rebbe Marashab produced an open miracle for his chassid, where the guy, the judge himself, just threw everything out. Mm-hmm. One other story with the Rebbe Marashab's father, actually, the Rebbe Marash, in a city called Chernovich. There was a chassid who had a very, very big business and his partner was a guy. He had a non-Jewish partner. And they did a very honest business. Unfortunately, someone made up a story with and about them. Again, saying that they had stole taxes or maces and sheften. And they were in trouble. They were in trouble. There was no way they could prove different. And one court case, a second, a third court case, finally they were convicted to hard labor, sentenced to hard labor in Siberia. The day before the prisoners would be shipped off, the Rav, Rabbi Chaim of Chernovich, was asked to come to the prison. The Jewish prisoner wants to talk to him. And he comes into the prison and he sees the Jewish the chassid sitting there. And the chassid says to him, I am going to confess to you my sin. What's your sin? says, my custom always, when I traveled on the train, I traveled first class. I had the money, why not? I always traveled first class. And the conductors already knew me. Traveled often. They all knew me on the train. One time on a journey, the conductor comes to me and he says to me, hey, I know you're a chassid in the other compartment is the Rebbe Marash. Lubavitch Rebbe. You want to look at him? You want to see him? This is a big thing. To see the Rebbe was a big schuss. He said, of course. And he gave the guy a tip for it. And the guy walked him over to the compartment of the Rebbe Marash. And he opened the door slight so the chassid could look inside and see the Reb Marash's face. He looks inside, and the Reb Marash looks up at him and smiles and says, Come on, that's Chavek, sit down. Talking, they were schmoozing. Very pleasant, easy-going conversation. 
The Marash had a golden cigarette case. Everything that Rebbe Marash was, everything was very, very rich. And he opened it up and he tapped it and he opened it and he him a cigarette. He sat and they smoked a cigarette. He was oblivious to who he was sitting with already. He didn't realize anymore that he was sitting with the Rebbe Marash, the Babich Rebbe. <laughs> All of a sudden the Rebbe says to him, you're very well connected. You have a lot of government connections and people, business. You probably know that in Siberia they're building a railroad station now. Zayach Evan, he says, be a, a, a smart man and put a bid in for the job. Put a bid in that you can go out there, that your company will go out there and build the railroad. They'll build the tracks and everything. You'll get paid well because the government is desperate for the job. And you'll have uh, a little bit of difficulty working, but it's worth it. Kitsa, I thought to myself that the Rebbe was a little bit off. He didn't know who I was, or he didn't know what Siberia is, or he didn't know about the train tracks. Maybe he was just making it up. It didn't register, maybe. Now I see, he says, the Rebbe saw that I am going to end up in Siberia, regardless. If I would have listened to the Rebbe, I would have been a rich man in comfort in Siberia also, and having and I'd be working there, but I'd be a comfortable free man. But I didn't listen to the Rebbe. Now I'm going in chains. And I'm going to still do the slave labor. Now I'm doing slave labor, and now I'm going to be spending time in Siberia. Because the Rebbe foresaw that I needed to go to Siberia. So when the Meshach Rabbeinu, Shlach sends out the emissaries, we are emissaries today of Meshach Rabbeinu. We are emissaries of the Meshach of our generation. And we need to see to it that we go out and we apply ourselves to everything that we do and everyone that we meet to invite them and to encourage them to do mitzvahs, to learn teda, so that this Shabbos, Shabbos Mubarakim Chedish Tammuz, we should bench the Chedish, we should bench the new month of Tammuz in Yerushalayim Yerakedish Shabbat Shalom to all. Wow, <laughs> <laughs>